Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, uh, Indian lawmakers are back, and education is going to be a big issue this legislative session. We're talking to Dr. Kay Jenner, the Secretary of Education. So, Madam Secretary, first of all, how you been, and Happy New Year. Good to see you again. Happy New Year to you. Uh, it's a great start to the new year, and um, obviously the second semester for our students in schools across Indiana. Uh, so how are Indiana schools doing these days overall? We've had we've had a really good year. Um, have done everything from um, seeing schools around the state who are are really working to rethink high school and get more business and industry connection um, to their high schools. Um, we've had we have quite a few school corporations across our state um, piloting um, artificial intelligence in their school to better understand how might we leverage. AI for the good in education. Um, and then also, uh, we're on a mission to get our reading scores up in Indiana. We have to, it's urgent, uh, and we will. Uh, let's start with reading scores. So obviously, that's going to be a major issue uh, this session. I want to say that the stats was you're also like one in five eighth graders uh, was either have an issue with I-STEP or I-READ or couldn't pass I-READ. What, what, what were those actual numbers? Yeah, so what we're seeing right now is one in five students are not passing I-READ at the end of third grade. Third grade is a really pivotal point where we need our students to read. Most commonly, you hear the quote, first students learn to read and then they read to learn. So again, there's an urgency between early learning, kindergarten, first, second grade, to make sure our students are reading uh, by the third grade level. And the one thing that's often interesting is people will say, well, it's, it's, a, it's a COVID thing. That's what happened. And that's not the case. Uh, we actually have been in a decline. Since, for, f- since I want to say, uh, when Tony Bennett was uh, superintendent of public instruction, it was like 91%. Yes, sir. Uh, but then now it's like, uh, almost, like uh, almost like down 11 points. So what happened, because you're right, the decline was beginning long before COVID started. COVID took like sort of the big drop, but the, the, but the scores already started to decline back then. So I, I love that you know that data <laughs> because you're, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, many people are asking, well, what happened? There's a podcast. I don't know if you've listened to it from an investigative reporter called Sold a Story. It's one of the most popular podcasts in education across the country, but it talks about how um, many of our educators um, weren't taught how to teach reading in the way that that research is showing is is best for kids to learn how to read. So you commonly hear science of reading. Um, that is the the urgent shift. That's where Lilly Endowment invested heavily in the state of Indiana to make sure our teachers are supported and trained in science of reading. But to really understand the why, not only in Indiana, in our country and in other English-speaking countries, uh, the Sold a Story podcast is a must-listen to. Um, one of the things that uh, I was told was, as lawmakers try to sort of fix whatever it is the issue is with, with I-READ scores, was that uh, your two predecessors sort of changed the system or weren't enforcing whatever the rule was on on reading, and that's sort of what sort of led to our, our decline. 
there was a guidance change um, several years back uh, that did allow schools, so schools are not breaking the rules at all right now, right? Um, schools were allowed to move students forward to fourth grade with the expectation that interventions in reading would continue. Um, and by the way, full disclosure, Abdul, I maintained that guidance when I got here, very purposely because I wanted to understand the data first before making any um, knee-jerk moves. Um, so understood the data that first year. Second year really put a lot of emphasis on supporting our teachers in science of reading. We have a $170 million investment to train up Indiana's and support Indiana's teachers in that. And then this year it's totally focused on student intervention. And again, what we're seeing is um, moving students forward, not able to read, um, not only did not work, um, but also of the about 14,000 students who were not able to read, only 583 of them um, mastered math. So a, a legislator pointed out yesterday, so that's saying that these students are not only reading, but over 13,000 are also um, not mastering or not proficient in math. And I think that's the other side of the story that we're probably not talking about enough right now. Um, and then the, the other big thing is um, many of these students, Abdul, are um, living in in poverty. Um, uh, many are on free reduced lunch meals and um, I have a heart for those kids especially because um, I think they need us the most to to pull them out of that cycle of poverty and, and we absolutely have a role to play and, and can help. We're talking to Dr. Kate Jenner, uh, Secretary of uh, Education here in the state of Indiana, about uh, iRead scores and other issues concerning education. Uh, so talk about the issue of social promotion. Uh, there's talk about holding third graders back who can't read. Some folks saying, hey, that's going to be bad for their, for their psyche, for their self-esteem. Uh, where are you on the whole issue of uh, social promotion, uh, particularly with third graders and not being able to master reading? So Senate Bill 1 has a lot of proactive pieces in kindergarten, first, second grade. And it also has a piece of what you're referring to about retention. And that if students are not able to read at the end of third grade, unless they have a good cause exemption, uh, maybe they're a special education student or an English learner, unless they have a good cause exemption, that they should remain in third grade for a year to get those skills built. I absolutely support that. And um, and trust me, I, I'm reading every email that I'm being sent about solutions and ideas, and I'm listening actively to the testimony. I did hear yesterday um, some testimony on um, the, you know, if, if, if students are retained, how that will impact them as a person and their, their mental health, for example. Um, I, would, I would challenge that significantly because we see the same when we have eighth graders, 11th graders sitting in our classrooms right now able to read. They are embarrassed. Um, their mental health is also being impacted. So um, again, we have an urgency in Indiana to make sure kids are reading by the end of third grade, and uh, and I stand by that we have to get them there. Uh, one of the ideas that was brought up, and maybe could uh, expound this a little bit more, was the fact that if a student, they say, didn't pass I read, that we get sort of two more chance, two more bites at the apple yeah. to take it again, because the first test may be, may be an issue or two, but the second test, third test, yes. and then if they haven't passed by the third test, then hold them, hold them back to, to get the skills that they need. 
It's, it's a great question. And, and the way that that works is uh, when we came in as a team and we saw the data that by the end of third grade, we had already, we had thousands of students not reading. The goal was how can we be more proactive? So our team came forward and said, what if we allow the I read to be given in a non-punitive way to second grade students for schools who opt in and that way we can build an on-track indicator. So parents and families and teachers know if a child is reading, if they're at risk of not reading, um, or if they're on track. So that has been wildly popular. Um, I think currently we have 990 schools signed up to do this, but that is one of the pieces that is proactive that we're asking to be required in the future, which would hit your three. So um, second graders would take it in spring, of their second grade year. It would produce that on-track element for the parents, families, and teachers. And then they would also have an, an opportunity to take it spring of third grade year, as well as summer of third grade year. So three different times uh, before um, the retention consideration. So sort of like, almost sort of like take like sort of pre-IREE to, to identify early on where kids are so you can address that issue a little bit later on before it's too late. Yeah, you call it pre-I-read, um, we call it the on-track I-read. Uh, where where are you, are you on track for reading? So, yes. Um, I also want to say uh, the Department of Education has put up a website where you sort of see sort of the hot spots with, with reading related, related issues. I tell you what, um, it's always good when you have a great team around you because uh, my team created that completely and it has heat maps of Indiana, heat maps for you know, every school corporation in the state, and it also includes all school types, and it shows exactly that. Where are students reading at, at great levels? And by the way, we have many schools who are, are uh, green, uh, but we also have many more schools that are in the yellow or the orange. Um, and that's where we have to triage and focus. But I highly encourage people to uh, take a look at that dashboard because uh, it it's very telling. And you can get hit right on your local community and see where you are. Is there a, uh, a correlation between uh, sort of the hot zones and sort of poverty-related issues or maybe like, maybe like an expensive school district or, or wealthy school district may have reading issues that no one ever thought about because, hey, we got money, so we're good? You know, I think, I think there's some correlation, certainly. Again, 72% of our students not passing I-READ are on free reduced lunch. Um, so we certainly see um, the poverty uh, coming out in that. Uh, but I, I want to mention, and I mean, I visited a school in northern Indiana that was above state average in free reduced lunch, and they already had hit the 95% goal in reading, right? We have pockets of excellence where um, schools who might have a lot of poverty are getting their students to read. So it's, this is one, re, helping a child to read is one of the most solvable issues in education. And, and we have to do it. And it starts with looking at the data and being very honest about what, where we are. We're talking to Dr. Kate Jenner. Uh, she is the uh, Secretary of Education here in the state of Indiana. We're talking about uh, sort of schools in the state. Uh, Dr. Jenner, one of the other things I've noticed, too, is uh, the issue of rural school districts and declining populations, possibly consolidation. Has the department taken a position on that, or you just, hey, just get the kids educated? We don't necessarily care, we don't necessarily care how you do it. We are highly focused on reading, 
um, rethinking high school, making high school more valuable, and other topics in education. Um, I do not think the House or the Senate are going to debate school consolidation uh, this session. Um, who knows in the future? I think that will also depend on um, the governor. Uh, but at this time, it's it's not a top of mind issue because I don't see any short term decisions being made. Um, the other issue to you where you brought up uh, was sort of high school graduation rates and sort of uh, uh, my father always told me, said, not everybody needs a college degree, but everybody needs sort of in the 21st century post-secondary education something, whether it is, you know, Ivy Tech certificate, workforce development, all, all that. What is going on with the state of Indiana with uh, creating more pathways to uh, post-secondary education for our high school students? Thank you for asking that. Um, so our high school graduation rate, we saw about a 2% jump this year. Um, we also saw improvements with our, our reducing the number of waivers that we're seeing, which was very important to us. But the point that you make about um, supporting students and earning that credential of value, that that something beyond a high school diploma, we're seeing more and more high schools who are offering dual credit, AP, dual enrollment, partnering with higher ed and business to allow those credentials to be earned prior to even graduating high school. In fact, at the State House um, on Martin Luther King celebration, you were there, Abdul, uh, we had two students um, from Gary, Indiana, who were honored, who had earned their bachelor's degree in high school. Now that's the exception. <laughs> we don't have that happening a lot. That's not, not the norm, but we absolutely in all regions of our state have students leaving high school with a technical certificate, with an associate degree, and that rate is continuing to grow. And we hope again to make more room and um, add flexibility to high school student schedules in order to continue to increase that. Uh, what are we doing about uh, some maybe adults uh, who didn't get that uh, high school diploma or, the, or that secondary credential, uh, what's being done for them? Yeah, so obviously there, there are many adults out there who, who may not have the diploma. Um, we strongly encourage them to get their high school equivalency, um, which the Department of Workforce Development works on specifically. Um, but in addition to the high school equivalency, to your point, continuing on beyond that, whether it's through an Ivy Tech, a Vincennes, um, or another training program. Um, we know the value of educational attainment to economic mobility for an individual. Um, and there are a lot of different ways that that's supported throughout the state. Um, what is, uh, how do you work with the Department of Workforce Development uh, to make sure that folks get that education, to get those uh, credentials that, that are there? Yeah, so it's, it's Department of Workforce Development. It's Governor's Workforce Cabinet, it's Commission for Higher Ed, and the early learning space is FSSA. So there are a number of different state agencies that have to be aligned. Um, coming in three years ago, that's been a major priority to um, frequently sit down, especially with uh, Commission for Higher Ed, Department of Workforce Development, and Governor's Workforce Cabinet to ensure alignment, that ensure alignment, but also ensure uh, that we're doing a better job blurring the lines for Hoosiers. And, and the seamless pathways are easier to discover. Um, I would say that we're not there yet. Uh, we have to continue working on that, but we're making improvements. Uh, another thing, too, I know uh, that education is extremely important as uh, we have all these big job announcements for more high tech, you know, high trade. The question has always been, does Indiana have the skilled workforce to, to get those jobs? And then once again, it kind of goes back to our way our conversation started with third grade, 
reading the, the what's, what's the one statistic you can predict what your prison population is going to be based on the number of third graders who can't who can't read or can't master uh, basic skills. So what's being done in those areas? So the IEDC has included us, included K-12 um, in many of the discussions with businesses that may be interested in Indiana. Uh, and a lot of that is because I think the businesses who are interested are specifically looking at not only quality of life, but also what does the K-12 system look like? Because to your point, that's the start of the workforce, the, the career um, uh, preparation. Um, so I think we, again, have to keep our eye on the ball uh, with making sure all kids can read. We have to make sure high school is as valuable as possible for kids and continue to every day work with higher ed and business industry to make those pathways uh, more seamless. And I'd say today um, we are we are better than we have been in the past, but there are still pockets of, of really great opportunity for kids around our state and pockets where the access is just not there yet. Uh, and we, we ha that's what we have to continue to improve. I'll talk to Dr. Kate Jenner, uh, Secretary of Education, for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, one of the complaints I hear from school districts is, you know, more testing, more rules. You know, we're so busy trying to teach the test that we can't really teach kids how to read. What has uh, DOE done to sort of maybe sort of streamline some of that rule process? Great question. So I am... My team knows I am hyper aware. I have children uh, in the K-12 system. I'm hyper aware of the number of assessments. Um, we are required, federal law requires every state in the country to give an assessment grade three through eight and in high school in English language arts and in math. And that equates to over a billion dollars a year um, at least that we receive. Um, so, so that is an assessment that, that is, is required, but what we have um, tried to do, and, and we have a bill on this to allow us to build um, not just a, a single one-time-in-the-year long assessment that provides the data to parents and teachers at the end of a school year when it's really too late, they're on to the next, um, but to provide the opportunity for schools to have checkpoints throughout the year. Again, not punitive at all, but to give the parent, family, educator, an understanding of where their child is in the fall and in the winter and in the spring so that, that at the end of the year they're not just surprised, well, hey, you know, my child is or is not proficient in math. That really has to be a, a year-long understanding. We have to work together to get every single child where they need to be. How do you get parents uh, more involved with their kids' education? Because uh the, the running joke is some, some folks, you could have, you have school in their living room and their parents still wouldn't show up to make sure the kids are getting their homework done, getting their studying done, you know, teach them to read, teach all those things that they're ready for, uh, so when they go back to school. I tell you, I would love for every parent to listen to your, your radio <laughs> show on this, on this question. I mean, I'll commit, schools, we're going to do everything we can to get kids there. The students who are succeeding the most have the parents there who... Um, and it's often just asking the question, um, not only just how a school today, and it's a one-word answer, right, that they get back, but, but tell me about what you're learning. Um, tell me about um, what's, what's tough. What's your toughest subject? 
really understand where they are to determine what kind of support they might need. That's so important to have that, that parent there um, encouraging the child uh, to continue learning, encouraging the child to continue their education. Um, and valuing education in the home. Um, that's very, very valuable. A additionally, when we talk about reading, and this came up yesterday uh, with, with young children, start reading to children as early as possible. Even if they, you, you think that they're not able to, um, to hear it, uh, flip those pages, read to them, let them, let them see that. Um, demonstrate at home, open a book, open an article. Um, all of that uh, is, is very valuable for a child to, to see, and we believe parents and families are 100% are the most important partner we have in making sure um, we support ch children in the best way possible. Dr. K, General Secretary of Education, always good to chat with you. We'll talk, probably talk again in a couple of months, uh, probably. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Abdul. Great to talk to you today. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.